2: I think the expectations come from the outside. I think, you know, my focus is getting to know these guys, you know, and then going out and and playing good baseball. I think that's, you know, we come to work every day and and do our jobs and get ready for the season, but expectations is not, you know, not something that I'm putting any thought into. at
3: Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to the score. Zach Zabin sitting in for David this morning, and we were talking about Ian Happ, and it's a legitimate question. As to what the future holds for Ian Happ, he is obviously now entering a contract year and um and it doesn't take a heck of a lot to look at the uh at the the Cubs system and see that the top 3 players in it, the top 3 prospects in the system are all outfielders and are all guys that are expected to uh to make the move up fairly Soon you know Brennan Davis might have already made that move uh you know in a lot of ways christopher Morrell's kind of breakthrough last year was because Brennan Davis had the uh that that strange uh back issue, not a back issue but like a it was a some arterial issue uh related to arteries in his back not it's not like he has like a disc problem or any kind of this was just kind of a strange blood flow issue that was located in his back and, and had to be repaired. And now he is, uh, is coming back. He's 23. He's been in AAA. He's been a futures game MVP. I get it that, you know, Crow Armstrong might be the guy that eventually takes over in, in center field. You know, one of the great things about uh, Cody Bellinger, buys another year for a couple of 20-year-olds and in, in, uh, in Kevin uh, Alcantara and Pete Crow Armstrong um but you think that with you throw uh Brandon Davis in the mix there is, are they are they holding spots, and you know, say a Suzuki is here and going to be here he's under contract, but with two outfielders on one year deals is there is this a temporary thing yeah, if i'm Ian hep i've seen like every big name player that I used to play with get traded, and I would imagine you're curious as to whether or not you join that list.
4: I think there were some unusual circumstances that created the initial teardown. Yeah. Because it came during the middle of the pandemic where you have a, a certain budget and then all of a sudden, poof, that money disappears. So now you're thinking, all right, well, let's use this as a time to reset. Right. I, I think the game has also changed because the new rules, I think, favor a player like Ian Hap. You know where He can
3: do so many different things, and he can hit in different ways, and he can, I, I got a lot of respect for him.
4: And the defense as of well. Of course. You know, a, a guy that I, I think, and they go hand in hand. I think one of the reasons Ian Hap had that breakthrough season offensively last year and became an all-star was because he was playing one position. He wasn't being moved around all over the place, which... Does impact certain players. There are guys that that love being moved all around, and it it doesn't bother them where they play. Like I think Nico Horner can play anywhere, and and he's fine with it. It doesn't impact him at the plate. I I think Ian Happ was affected by sometimes having to play center field, sometimes having to play second base or first. You know what I mean? Like he sure. he was moved around, and I think it, it, it's clear he took to left field. That's where he wanted to be. He became a Gold Glove left fielder. I don't worry about the the long-term prospects of Ian Happ. If he performs, they, they can sign him to a long-term deal. It's not like you're talking about a team that doesn't have the ability to do that. And the other thing, sometimes we forget about this when it comes to baseball. I think in the other sports, when you have young players, especially football, you're, you're kind of making sure those young players are being groomed to take over for the veterans because of the salary cap. In baseball, sometimes... The best prospects that you have in the minor leagues will never see time with your big league club. But the impact that they have on your big league club will be immeasurable because then you can use them to acquire ready-to-go major league talent. I think that's the beauty of what the Cubs have put together over the last couple of years. It's something they couldn't do near the end of the previous era because the minor league system had been depleted I mean there were a lot of good players that the Cubs had at the minor league level that they traded away in order to try and win I mean you're seeing some of them on the south side mm-hmm. Cease and Jimenez Glaber Torres with the Yankees I mean the, the you know you, you look at Soler, when they traded him, sure. there were a lot of players that they gave away. It didn't have the impact at the major league level that they would have liked with the players that they got back after the 2016 season. But you understand what they were trying to do. And I think that's why some of the names that you mentioned that are at the minor league level right now that might not be ready, they may never see time with the Cubs. Not because they're not good, just because the Cubs may pivot in a different direction. But I think you have to let this season play out. The National League Central, I don't think it's a strong division. Right now, as, as we sit here today, St. Louis is the top dog, right? I think we, we'd acknowledge that. But you don't know what Milwaukee is. I, th- I think last year was kind of a, a transitional phase. They kind of, you don't know what they are. We know Pittsburgh and Cincinnati are in forever rebuilding periods. <laughs> uh, Cincinnati's got a lot of young talent, though, that's that that's, that's going to be a, a problem in, in, in the near future. And when it comes to the Cubs, I, I think what we've seen is if, they put together a team in the first half that's in it, and they show that they're knocking on the door, then I think they'll add. Whereas if they they don't do a good job in the first half, then I think you can pivot, trade away some of the talent that they signed, and and kind of groom forward. I, I That's why it's exciting, because you feel like this is the best team we've seen the Cubs put on the field for the last two years, and there's a chance here that you can compete, and if you do, it can get even better.
3: And And... You know, let's hope that's the case. But there's also a possibility that if if you're not uh, competing, that you could get to the trade deadline this year and you could go the other way. Correct. That that you could, you know, Cody Bellinger's on a one-year deal. You could trade a guy like that. You could trade Hosmer. You could trade Mancini. Maybe you could trade Ian Happ. Not, Not promulgating that, not saying you ought to, just saying, that a lot of this stuff will be determined by how well not just the individual players are, but the collective team.
4: Yeah, and and all of that could happen. I I do think it was interesting. I heard Jed Hoyer, I forget which podcast he was on, but I heard Jed Hoyer talk about this, how a few years back when they were going back and forth with their negotiations with Anthony Rizzo right before the start of the regular season, it, it got ugly, right? And, and I think the lesson that he learned from that is, in the future, he doesn't want to have these negotiations with players taking place during spring training right before the start of the year, because then the focus, you put put too much pressure on the player because of all the, the stuff that, that we're going to be talking about uh, on the radio when it comes to that kind of stuff. and. It, it does impact the – these are human beings. Yeah. And these are – there's a lot of money at stake. Right. So you don't want to have that distraction take place and you worry about that kind of stuff at the end of the year.
3: Yeah, I I, I think it's interesting because obviously when you think about, um, you know, the way the Cubs team, the, the World Series team was, was broken up, it was about, you know, the loss of, loss of revenue and then making these decisions and starting – uh, kind of the restart but at that at one point we thought perhaps two of three guys would be brought back um you know Baez was likely to come back and there's Rizzo another one yeah was likely to come back but we thought that maybe uh, they wouldn't bring back um, Chris Bryant and lo and behold you know, they didn't bring anybody back. They couldn't come up with a and and I think before the pandemic, weren't they very close with Baez? It was like they were very, very close, close with
4: to, with Baez, and then they they had the the difficult negotiations with with Anthony Rizzo. Right, I, I think the right. Bryant thing was different. Once you ran yeah. into the whole service time thing,
3: yeah, that was gonna that was always gonna leave a mark, and, and it, 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 it was didn't. Weird.
4: And it didn't help that that Bryant at that point started getting banged up, and now you had to one
3: what what I mean I. I hate to say it, but we have talked about him going into sort of, you know, the federal uh, program, just sort of disappearing like he was, you know, turning state's evidence. He, he just, and I know he was hurt last year, but what, you, you never really heard about him at all out Spanged in Colorado. Up I know he was hurt all year. But I mean, think about it like Rizzo at least wound up in New York. You know, Baez is, is, is in witness protection in Detroit, for God's sake.
4: But he got his money, right? Well, he got money. You know, I, I mean, which is ultimately what what any player wants.
3: See, I think he's the kind of guy that needs the adulation of the crowd, that needs the, the, the fans energy, and yeah. the energy. And, you know, like I just think about him going into the south side and when he's booed, all of a sudden he's good. But when you ignore him, he's just not the same player. Isn't that weird?
4: It's weird. Yeah. You know, Brian did have a, a brief appearance in the playoffs with San Francisco.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: After he was traded by the Cubs. And I, did he make the last out against the Dodgers when when the Giants were eliminated? Remember, they had that great season. and then Yeah. They, yeah. And then they fizzled yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. So. That's
3: yeah. too bad. I mean, he's he's got a multi-year deal in Colorado. I don't think we'll ever hear from him again.
4: Do well, you? if he if he's healthy, I think you'll hear from him because uh, that's that's a ballpark that will. Uh, yeah, I don't know we're ever going to hear from him again. But he's, he's got to be healthy. Yeah,
3: I don't know if he'll ever be healthy. And
4: then when you you look back at I what don't the think Cubs, we're going to hear from. Him. You know, it's interesting. Do the Cubs have a third baseman who who is you know we'll we'll ask Rossi this when he joins us yeah. at eight forty because Patrick Wisdom was your home run leader last year. Yes, at, with twenty five, but. Can you trust him as an everyday player because he struggles against right-handed pitching? So, is he your, your, your starting third baseman to begin the year? Is it going to be Christopher Morrell who came on strong thought, last year?
3: I thought we decided it was Nick Matrigal.
4: <laughs> I'm just going to... I
3: stopped you. Yeah. Uh, hey, Cubs spring training on the score is sponsored by Sloan, the official water efficiency partner of the Chicago Cubs. There's another guy you could be trading. Well, I don't know what the I don't know what the plan is with Nick Madrigal, and I don't know how he would fit in. But the problem you have for the Cubs is the power problem, right? We, you know, you mentioned that Wisdom uh, is the guy that led led you in home runs last year. He strikes out a lot too. Uh, Patrick Wisdom is is probably going to be the well, he should definitely be the the third baseman against lefties. But he's probably gonna be your regular third baseman just because of that power. Is that enough, right? I mean, I and I don't know the answer to that. Where else are they gonna get their power from? I I say Suzuki's built himself up. Uh we mentioned Hap had a good year.
4: Say Suzuki was a a slugger in Japan mm-hmm. before he joined the Cubs. And I think last year, he's dealing with a lot of stuff. First, you're you're just dealing with a, a brand new culture that you're adjusting to. Sure. And then there's Chicago, which is different than the rest of the American culture, right? And then he had to deal with some injuries a- as well. And I thought at the end of the year, he finally got himself right with with the stroke. The average began began to rise. And I, I think he realized he needed to get a little bit stronger to take advantage. And, and so clearly he's determined to add a little bit more power to his game at the major league level. So there's one. Cody Bellinger, when he's right, is a power hitter. Well,
3: I mean, Cody or, Bellinger hasn't been right in but, a while. But you asked. But he was a he was a MVP rookie of the year. I mean, I'm just saying the trajectory was Hall of Fame until it stopped. But hopefully hopefully, that's a place. Go ahead. And
4: what they'll tell you is, at least from his side of it, mm-hmm. and it, it, it'll play out this year, is that he wasn't healthy over the last two years. Yes. Rushed back because, again, you're talking about a team that was playing for something every single season he was there. Uh, so there wasn't enough time to, to fully heal and get right. Apparently he is now. We'll see. He's going to get an opportunity to prove it. Trey Mancini adds a little bit of extra power from the right side. He can hit the ball out of the yard.
3: But he fizzled too last year, didn't he?
4: These are the chances that you're taking. This yeah. is why they, gotcha. they didn't sign I these gotcha. guys to to long-term deals, and Again, like you said, it may not work out, yep. and you say goodbye to these right. guys. Right. You're building a bridge this year, and you hope that Ian Happ continues yes. uh, what he was able to do last year. But also, the game has changed. So, Dansby Swanson comes in, and this guy, the power numbers have been terrific for Swanson over the last two years. Now you add Nicole Horner's numbers. If you take those numbers from him playing shortstop, you put him now at second base, you look at him in a completely different way. Those are much better significantly better numbers f- offensively for a second baseman and uh, i think they feel that their starting rotation is significantly better than it was last year because of health and depth so that's how they're going to look to compete bunch of new names in the bullpen yeah but the cubs have had a lot of success getting people into their pitch lab and especially veteran players who are at a point in their career where they have to make some changes they get into the pitch lab, they come out, look much better, and you also add a couple of big arms into that pen who were forced to be starters for you the last few years. Keegan Thompson back in the pen, Adbert Alzalei back in the pen. Those are some power arms. Brandon Hughes from the left side did a terrific job last year. So that, that's where you get a little excited.
3: We got a lot of uh, of interesting comments from texters. Bellinger is Dodgers' version of Chris Bryant. That's kind of an interesting take. Um, I feel bad for for Chris Bryant, sadly. Um I thought that guy was gonna be here forever. Um and somebody says Zach is such a good talker, he can only be stopped by mention of Nick Madrigal.
4: Nick Madrigal has to stay healthy.
3: Listen, Nick Madrigal is one injury away from being out of baseball. Like I mean, yeah. I don't know that Nick Madrigal has a lot of um people interested in him. You know, he was a guy that that could have been a really good player and a guy that was is a high average guy a guy that puts the ball in contact never strikes out he's just had a couple of really bad injuries and now he doesn't have a discernible role there was a a moment last year at the beginning of the season where it was almost like you were trying to figure out who was better Madrigal or Nico Horner and that, I don't think anyone's having that conversation uh, and and it's you know. Nick Madrigal has really got to stay healthy. He's got to – you know, he he's already operating uh, with some strikes against him. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be hard for him to have any kind of impact with the Cubs. I mean, could you DH him as a leadoff non-power guy? I don't think so. I think you 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 struggle. They're trying to find someplace he can line up, and he's a backup infielder. I don't even know how you keep him on the roster, frankly.
4: The game is changing to the point where athleticism is being welcomed back into Major League Baseball. So the only chance that Madrigal has is to prove that all the off-season work he did transforming his body gives him the durability he needs to stay on the field. Because I think most people believe that if he's healthy, he can hit. Right, he can hit. And he's got to hit.
3: Right, but he has to be able to, yeah. And, and it might not be for the Cubs; it may be for somebody no, else. Probably, but it will probably be. For but somebody.
4: his his her, his major league mortality is on the line.
3: I totally agree with that. I think that's a fair comment. All right, we've got uh, a lot to get to. We're going to uh, shift gears a little bit. Maybe we should talk a little Bears, should we? Because we're not going to have a lot of. Time I've got a lot of later thoughts later on. Okay, I know you do, and I know you're going to anger a lot of uh, the people listening. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven.
1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
3: Is there something about Justin Fields that I don't know? Is there something about Justin Fields that the people who have kind of taken this whole thing and just kind of turbocharged it? it... That they know that I don't know about Justin Fields, that people are saying, you know what, we need to move on from him because he's never going to realize his potential. And Bryce Young is the answer. Mullion Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 670, the score. Is there something that is uh, unknown about uh, Justin Fields? That is Lewis Reddick's question. And... um, yeah, I, I think he's a supporter of Justin Fields, and he believes that the Bears are on the right track and they need to hang on to him. Um, every time you turn around, there are more stories and more. I, I, you know, I like the idea that Justin Fields said that uh, that he has talked to Ryan Poles and they're going to stay in touch. And I think that's an important thing because I think part of um, of Ryan Fields' job is to make sure that he's having every conversation with everybody about everything. And part of that is doing all the due diligence with every quarterback, every player that might be a first overall pick. And you've got to make sure, you know, and he said at the end of the year news conference that he'd have to be blown away to not uh, stay with Justin Fields. But you owe it to yourself, to the franchise, to see if you're blown away. That is not that is not an insult to Justin Fields. It is just you've gotta figure out what this you know bears are on the clock. What is this pick worth can you Can you maximize that first overall pick? They have one pick in the top fifty, and it's the first one, and they need more. So how do you go about doing that? We've talked about all this these different ideas. There there is a legitimate conversation that has to take place within the organization as to what every possibility is.
4: Bears have not had the top overall pick in the NFL draft since 1947. The reason it's so valuable is because you have an opportunity, if you want, to grab the best quarterback in the draft. It doesn't mean that that guy is better than the guy you have, but I think the Bears are having that discussion and they should, is the top overall quarterback, whoever you think it may be, in this year's draft, potentially a better player than what Justin Fields could be. And the reason there's debate is because we're not exactly sure. We saw Justin Fields do some dynamic things Mm -hmm. this past season, things we've never seen a quarterback here do, things we've rarely seen any NFL quarterback do. He is like Devin Hester when he tucks the ball and runs. He's special. He can score from yep. anywhere on the field with his legs. That is unbelievable.
3: You know, and, and and honestly, Zach, what's unbelievable about that is I don't even know if he knew that. Like, I, I, I think that he showed that out of necessity. Mm-hmm. and And he might have even surprised himself. You're not supposed to be able to take off and run through an NFL team for a touchdown. It's extraordinary that he can do that. Absolutely amazing.
4: Never had to really do it at Ohio State. Right. He was a passer at Ohio State, kind of like what, what C.J. Stroud is. you know. Right. Like, right. And, and the magic of playing at Ohio State for any quarterback, and I think one of the reasons that a lot of the quarterbacks that have gone to Ohio State lately have not had successful NFL careers is because you're always protected. You never have to worry about getting hit you have great receivers at at all different levels so your first second third receivers are all phenomenal almost always end up getting drafted high in the first round and justin fields took advantage of that everything you want physically in a quarterback justin fields has he's got a great arm great arm throws beautiful deep balls especially outside the numbers the running abilities is through the roof but i think this is what you have to ask yourself can he become the passer that we saw at ohio state at the nfl level when the processing time change changes dramatically and he's had issues with that he talked about this during super bowl week on all the different interviews that he did what did justin fields talk about i need to be better with the routine plays
3: sure he does but i mean you you hope that that can be taught and that can be developed and you know the 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 thinking is when he gets more time by better blocking when he gets better receivers and better talent around him he's going to be a better quarterback and and he still has this extraordinary ability but um it's interesting cuz there are a lot of um there are a lot of people that have different um you know, ideas about this. Let's listen to uh, Steve Smith. He was on the NFL Network, and uh, and here's what he had to say.
5: I had the opportunity, me and MJ had the opportunity to sit with Justin Fields, and I had a, a, a little brief conversation. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he talked about was it, when I asked him, what was the change midseason? Why did you guys have so much success? And I remember him saying, he said, you know, all offensive coordinator. He was getting familiar with calling plays. He was also getting familiar with our personnel. So as the offensive coordinator and the, and the players were getting familiar with the offense in the game, you're going to just reset that and start all over again with a new quarterback, with other playmakers that you have to figure out. I, I, I think it's great that they use a second-round pick to get Chase Claypool. That's outstanding. Well, let's see what that equals to for the Chicago Bears. But they also got to get Mooney. He, he's, he's a stud. You got David Montgomery. What is going to happen with him? Then you have some of these draft capital offense alignment that you got mm-hmm. that you reach to get, yeah. and they aren't as advertised. Right. And so you have to figure out. So you use some of these draft picks to solidify. And how do you solidify your quarterback play? I don't care who's the quarterback back there but you got to solidify these two guards. You want to have success? You can have terrible tackles, but you can't have impotent guards. You got to have good guards to allow your quarterback whether he's tall or short to be able to stand comfortably in the pocket and deliver the football.
3: All right, so that's Steve Smith, um the way that he looks at it. Now, I don't know what the draft capital he's talking about. They they traded down and brought in a bunch of uh, late-round picks. You know, the the offensive linemen he's talking about were all among the final 100 players in a draft, not the top 100 players. So I think that they need to um, use more draft capital to help them with the offensive line. I, frankly, would sign the best tackle I could find on the free agent market. You've got money. I might add a guard as well. Um, You know, you keep reading or hearing that they're, they're looking at uh, Cody Whitehair and he might not be a part of the plan moving forward. Uh, you know, a guy was hurt last year. So, you know, when a guy makes money and he's not available, you're always looking to, to, uh, to move on or to save money. It's not unusual to hear that sort of thing um, whispered about. But I, I, I still think they need a lot of help on the offensive line. I, I don't think they are – you know, I know a lot of people really like the left tackle – I'd get a proper left tackle. I would go out and get the best left tackle I could find, and, and I'd try to improve the interior of the line as well.
4: A couple of things to think about. It's a weak free agent class. It doesn't mean that you can't get good players, but it's a weak free agent class, right. even though the Bears have a, a, a ton of money available to them when it comes to the salary cap. When it comes to the draft, it is a very good draft, especially in the first round for tackles. Mm-hmm. Something to consider. Good, really good draft when it comes to tight ends. So it's a weak draft at the receiver position, but you might be able to get the pass catcher from a, a tight end position. And it's a very deep draft when it comes to running backs. So that's another thing right. that, that people should take into account. And obviously we've there's heard.
3: There's also a glut of them on the free agent market.
4: Exactly. Including
3: David Montgomery.
4: And, and then there's, uh, going back to the draft, you can get some edge rushers in this draft, which is important. Yes. For, for the Bears, because they have holes everywhere. Back to the quarterback position. I think you can have the discussion and ask yourself, okay, second year in the system for Justin Fields for the first time since he was in college would be a big deal, right? There's some continuity. There's an understanding of what my offensive coordinator wants. He knows what I can do, and I think that's important for a guy to to gain some stability. Uh, Obviously, we know about the athleticism and all that. I keep asking myself this question. Will the Bears be able in the next two years to surround Justin Fields with the kind of talent to maximize whatever ability you think he has as a passer and be able to, to go to that next level? I, I think a lot of the talk is, boy, you know what? If Imagine if you took Justin Fields and you put him in Philadelphia with that kind of talent. But I could make that argument, too, when it comes to Bryce Young. If you took Bryce Young and you put him in Philadelphia with that kind of talent, any quarterback, you better be good with the kind of talent they have in Philadelphia. I-, I-, I think let's not take that leap and just say, you know what? That's it. Justin Fields can be the next Jalen Hurts. Because are you certain that Justin Fields can play the kind of, of, of quarterback that we saw Jalen Hurts play in the Super Bowl? That was magnificent. Magnificent. I'm not sure. Are they sure at Hallis Hall? I don't think they know the answer. So you have to ask yourself, okay, we have the opportunity with the number one pick to perhaps get a better passer, a guy in Bryce Young who is a dynamic passer who ran a pro-style offense under Bill O'Brien at Alabama. The, the issue is, and it's a big one, does this guy have the size that you need to stay healthy at the NFL level?
3: That's a, that's a big question.
4: And then you look at your guy that you have right now Mm -hmm. that's missed seven games as a starter and only won five games as a starter, a guy who had 16 fumbles and led the NFL last season, A, a guy who has one of the highest interception rates in the NFL during his time as a starting quarterback. I mean, these are things you just can't throw away and say, oh, you know what, all that athleticism, he's great, I, he can run. I want to get back to
3: this conversation, but we've got to bring in Cody Westerlin. We're going to talk about the Bulls. But we'll get back to this conversation at 8 o'clock. It's, uh, it's Mullion Hall. We've got Zach Zabin with us on Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to the score. Obviously, you know, the way I play, you know, I run through a wall for anything I play just – now, it's even more, uh, it's, the, it's, it's the city where I'm from. So, you know, I don't know what might happen. You know, I might pull something I never did before. So, uh, I'm super excited. I'm super stoked. Uh, I you know I can't wait to get started. Uh, like I said, it's, uh, it's just good, good energy, fresh energy. Yeah, I don't know how long it's going to last. That's Patrick Beverly. You're listening to Mullion Hall on the score. I don't know how long it's going to last, but I'm buying in right now. Are you? At least for tonight, maybe even for Sunday. <laughs> I've chosen to buy in, and uh, we are delighted to welcome in uh, uh, the score's very own Cody Westerland. He does a great job covering the Bulls, and, uh, and Cody, good morning. How are you?
2: I'm doing well, Molly. I, uh, I like that. They got a commitment from you, a three-day contract, it
3: sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: wish, I, I wish I could be more um,
3: certain about the future, but I like the idea. The, the stuff he says is great. It's just, you know, I was here when, when they brought in Tristan Thompson and I heard all the fainting and the the, the uh, kind of uh, reaction to uh, to that player who I think the best thing he had going for him was proximity to LeBron at some point in his life. Um, but we didn't see any major change. It's hard to get a buyout guy uh, and then really buy in, but the fact is that with with Patrick Beverly, local guy made good, you know, total agitator, a guy that can create all sorts of chaos, even on his own team. And and he's threatened he's threatened to put a boot on uh, Zach Levine and, and Zach apparently welcomes it.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I do think this is a little different than the Tristan Thompson situation and it's not because I expect significant significant change in how the Bulls are are playing and what their success rate will be. But it is such a glaring need in this situation. And there to me there's a bigger hole to fill for the Bulls this year than there was last year with Tristan Thompson adding him in as like the ninth man. Like I don't know yet if Patrick Beverly's gonna start or come off the bench. The Bulls haven't really committed to that, but I, I think at some point here he will start for them. I would expect him to finish every game um that he's playing well in because if he's playing well, that probably means he's agitating on defense. Like you said, he's knocking down a few open three-pointers. He's yelling at everyone on the bulls so that when they're up 14 points and the game starts to slip away, they understand the significance here. Now, the one thing I would say is that, like, we're talking a lot about intangibles with with Patrick Beverly. Right. And the reason is, is because he doesn't fill up the box score by any means whatsoever. And he's not going to fix these three-point shooting problems. He's a hair under 35% this year. Now for his career, he's been a little better and he's been a solid spot up three-point shooter, but the Bulls don't have a James Harden or a LeBron James creating these shots where he's completely wide open with no one near him. It's a little different situation for them. So, uh, I, like you, I'm very intrigued to, to see how this all plays out, and, and maybe he can light a fire a little bit in Zach Levine and get him a little bit more focused, too. All
4: right, someone's got to make this work, right? Billy Donovan's been asked to make this work. So, give me the recipe that the Bulls need in order to put themselves in a position to get into the play-in tournament
2: well they have 23 games left zach so that's where we're starting at here and they are two and a half games behind the wizards for the 10th spot the final play-in spot uh now you'd really like to be seven or eight in the play-in so you just have to win once instead of twice to get in the play-in but right now i don't know if the bulls have the luxury of aiming for anything past 10 at this point or nine uh where they need to win two games so i mean at this point It's looking like the 10th playing spot is going to be a hair under 500, probably to get in the playoffs, kind of the way it's tracking. So the bulls probably need to play something like what, maybe five games over 500 here down the stretch um, to finish this off or something like that. So uh, that's what the bulls are looking at now, basketball wise, the recipe to get in to win those games. uh, I think it just comes down to improving on the offensive end, right? Like this team's 24th in offensive efficiency in the NBA. Their hope is Pat Beverly, once he learns the system a little bit, the terminology, which, again, might not happen in two days of practice, but might be more comfortable in a week or so. The hope would be that he gets them more organized, right? Like, this is a team that has offensive talent, but they aren't organized enough offensively all the time. So, if he can get them flowing a little bit better, I think that would just go a long way. Because, look, this team defense hasn't been the team's problem you put pat beverly in the rotation mix and he's playing 20 28 minutes a game something in that range like he's going to help your defense so i think the defense again should be fine now can he help get them organized offensively and make a little bit of run because look they got to play above 500 basketball down the stretch here if they want to make the play in yeah
3: i you know i think that's the thing that is the problem um just take away the six-game losing streak, and they're still a game under five hundred. Right? I mean, the six-game losing streak is a disaster. But even if you take that away, they're not playing five hundred basketball for the season. So, if indeed you got to be five games over, that's fourteen and nine, yeah. uh, and with twenty-three games left, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, you know, again, even even if 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 Patrick Beverly is gonna. Eliminate the Lakers from the playoffs. Then that gives you a couple minutes, right? And even if uh, you, you know you start playing better, fourteen and nine—they haven't played like that all year. So I, I don't know. I just don't know how. It's, it's great to say, hit a button and off you go. And wow, he's going to bring the fire. But I—that's I, why I'm on a two-game kind of tryout here. I, I don't know how much <laughs> I believe it.
2: you, you know, I mean. There's a couple important games coming up. Like This could be decided in the next five or six days, right? So, wow. Bulls host the Nets. Then they host the Wizards, who they're chasing for that 10 spot. And then they're at Toronto next Tuesday, who's currently in the 9 spot. If the Bulls lose to the Wizards and Raptors, or really struggle here over the next six days it might just essentially almost be over, right? Like nothing's ever over in the NBA because it feels like the season's forever long and other teams can also go on seven-game losing streaks. But it goes from being something that feels attainable right now still to something that feels like it's not realistic whatsoever at all, barring a collapse by someone else. And you got to remember here, like the Raptors added Jakob Pertl ahead of the trade deadline. They have more talent than the Bulls, and they're clearly – going for it harder than the bulls because they actually made a trade for someone of substance rather than just going on the buyout market now the hawks just fired um nate mcmillan but that's a team that also has more talent than the bulls and it feels to me like that team's just destined to always be 500 this year no matter what is going on there no matter who their coach is they're going after quinn snyder he's a great coach i don't know if they're gonna be able to plug him in this season but like They'll figure it out. Joe Prunty, their assistant, the interim coach, he's a smart guy. He draws up plays in the final five seconds to beat Bulls all the time. Like that team (laughs) feels destined to me to be 500. So to me, it's like the Wizards the Bulls are really looking at, which is why like we're chuckling here and we're looking at this game on Sunday. Like it's an important game for the Bulls if they want to make the play in tournament.
4: Remy Martin and 670 The Score want you to play hoops on the Court of Dreams. Look for the Remy display at your local retailer to enter for your chance to win a chance to play hoops on the United Center Court. Have dinner in the Bulls Banquet Room and attend the Bulls game on March 15th. Get details at 670thescore.com slash contest. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. Cody, ultimately it's going to come down to the Bulls' big three. Yep. Which one of those guys has to step up in your opinion
2: well I'd go Zach Levine not just because he's the highest played player not just because he's the guy um, completely in his prime but to me we've got out of Vooch when when we're watching and evaluating him um, from the outside kind of what we'd expect he's had a pretty strong year right we knew he wasn't going to be a difference maker rim protector stuff like that but he's been solid on the offensive end and consistently produced DeMar hasn't been at his levels of last year, but it feels like DeMar's done um, kind of what we've expected DeMar to do. He was an all-star. He's certainly been solid. To me, it's Zach Levine. He, he had the slow start. Um, he really ramped it up, got a lot better in December and January with his numbers. But there's those moments late in games where he's not coming up big enough for the Bulls. Like The turnover bug has caught him at some really bad times in the last six eight minutes a game sometimes just even inside the final 90 seconds of games so to me he's just the guy with all that responsibility already um that we talked about and then the ball being in his hands late when it is he's got to make better plays more consistently because i mean there have been some games like he played really well against the pacers for three quarters when the bulls lost to them and then he had a few big turnovers late as the bulls collapsed like things like that that are happening they have to stop happening if the Bulls are going to close out games. So I would put a lot of this on Zach Levine, right? Like I said, it's not just because of the $215 million contract that he has pressure, but you pay guys $215 million to to be really good on the offense end and at least help lead you into the playing round. So I would say Zach out of those three if I had to pick.
3: Great stuff, Cody. Thanks so much. Look forward to uh, continuing to read your coverage. Thanks, man.
2: Yep. You guys uh, have a good weekend and have fun uh, watching the Bulls there, Molly.
3: <laughs> For at least two more games. <laughs> <laughs> I might go. I might stretch it to a week. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on board. I'm, I'm believing that they've got the secret sauce and they've got the, the magic recipe. I just have to, I just have to see it happen. That's Dare to it. dream. That's it. I'm daring. 14 and nine, Zach. I think I thought they'd be maybe 12. Maybe they could win 12, maybe 12 and 11. That, I thought that was giving them a lot of credit. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.